I'm your host, Micah Versman, and this is Season 5 of The Producer Podcast. This season looks to be a little different from previous seasons, as we'll be sitting down with crew from many of the different film departments to talk about what the producer should know about their area of expertise. To kick things off, we're sitting down with director Brett Varvel to discuss the ever-important director-producer relationship. So without further ado, let's get started. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. So maybe just to kind of kick things off, you want to give people a little bit of your background and how you got started in the industry. So for as long as I can remember, um, I've always wanted to be a filmmaker. And my earliest memory is five years old. Um, I, I had finished watching a family approved version of the movie back to the future and um there was just something so captivating about that film moving pictures and sounds that how they wove together to incite emotional reactions in me um i just knew that there was something about this movie that i was watching that i thought i must do this when i get older and um and that was really kind of the beginning for me. Um, I was so I was self-taught for all my childhood years, and then going into my uh, teenage years. And wasn't until I got to college that I actually received any kind of formal training um, for the craft of film. And uh, the Lord has had me in just on a very interesting journey, where. I slowly was discovering the talents and abilities that he had given me both in front and behind the camera. Um, but it's just been this like step-by-step -step process of discovering how to use those talents, not for myself or for my glory, but to proclaim his name to a lost and dying world through the art form itself. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I graduated from Ball State in 2008 and uh, with, a, with a degree in film and video production. And from there, I've been heavily involved in the faith-based film, feature film industry. And, um, and then I do the gamut in between the feature film projects, everything from promotional films, music videos to uh, commercials and all kinds of fun stuff in between. So um, I'm, I'm blessed in that I get to do what I've always wanted to do. That, that mm -hmm. five-year-old um, boy is living out his, his dream um, but the thing that makes it so much more rewarding for me is that um, I, I know that what I'm doing is um, I'm, I'm drawing people to the creator of the universe through the films that I'm a part of it. And, and there's nothing more thrilling than that um, because there's nothing special about me. There's nothing, I don't have any kind of secret recipe of uh, changing anyone's life. I'm simply just um, showing showing people what, what their need is and how they can find life and how they can find fulfillment and hope and uh, eternal life. And so, so yeah, it's just a really cool thing that um, I count myself very blessed to be able to do what I do. Nice. So I know you've directed projects that kind of 
that came out of your own company were kind of your idea as well as projects for other people's companies. So how does maybe directing for you differ between those two realms of things? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because when, when I started attending college, um, I didn't really fully understand what a director did. I just, I knew I wanted to make movies and as an 18 year old, 19 year old kid, that looked like just me doing everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, In my ignorance, that was the best training that I've ever, ever could have fathomed of, of how to become a director because um, I literally was doing everything. I was doing the (laughs) producing, I was lighting, I was shooting, I was directing, I was, uh, editing, uh, and everything through post-production and, and, um, and so wearing all of those hats, I mean, there were even times on set I was doing catering and, you know, whatnot. And so wearing all of those hats and, um, understanding the process that everyone has to go through on a, on a film set, um, was the, was the best training that I could have ever, um, wished and hoped for in how to become a director. And because when, when I look at the role of a director, this is someone who must lead by serving. They must um, protect the story at all costs, but at the same time, be guiding their cast and their crew to buy into this vision that they have. And that's not done through dictatorship or tyranny or, you know, just bossing people around. It's done through um, believing in people and, and serving their needs rather than your own. And, and that, that took me a lot of time to just truly understand. I mean, when I was in college, while most people would be out partying on the weekends, I was making short films and music videos and different things. And, um, and, you know, just making all kinds of crazy mistakes and I had no clue what I was doing, but I'm so thankful for those moments because um, I, I learned through, through a lot of failure, kind of what my voice is, I guess, okay. as a director. And, um, and, and, and I shouldn't say that I've arrived by any stretch of the imagination. I'm still kind of discovering bits and parts of how God has wired my brain to work and what I like and what I don't like. And, and it's changed a lot as I've gotten older and um, gone, you know, been married and have kids and gone through just the, the normal trials of life. And, and so, but, you know, tapping into that, that, that voice or that, that, uh, that bent that I, that I like artistically or whatever um, has really helped me navigate the types of stuff that I think I'm I'm a good fit to direct or not fit to direct I mean things that organically come from me yeah I'm I think I'm the best suited person for those projects just because it's it's from my heart and my soul Um, but then uh, really honestly since I mean the, the last feature film that I directed that was all uh mine so to speak I mean my dad um was a co-writer on the project and he and I wrote the script together and it was very much our, our baby, so to speak, but all the directoral um, passions behind it was, it was all me. 
and um it was a, a fascinating experience to take on a project of that size as a uh, 20 goodness 25 year old yeah and, and try to lead a team uh mainly of volunteers and um i learned a lot on that project but uh but anyway so then fast forward a few years and uh, i'm finding myself directing other people's projects short form projects longer projects um i was i was attached to a, a huge sci-fi film for several years that uh, never unfortunately never got the funding and was able but it, the cool thing for me was it gave me a crash course into um taking someone else's script, someone else's vision that they had worked on for 20 years and then try to put my own heart and vision into it. And um, so that was, that was honestly like the first big thing that I had ever done outside of myself for someone else. Um, and that, that, that project in, in and of itself, even though we never got to shoot it, um, taught me so much about, um, how to interpret someone's vision, but then make it your own. Um, because at the end of the day, what I've learned is a director has to set the tone. They have to, they have to be the, the person who, um, as the, uh, as we like to say in our industry, they are the auteur of the, of the film. They're the, the one who, uh, sets forth the vision. They're the one who, um, is captain of the ship, so to speak. <clears throat> but, and, and what, and I've, and I've learned this through, um, some failures that if I don't own up to that, and if I don't truly cast that vision in, in a project where I'm being brought on, um, as a hired gun, the cast and the crew will go look for that direction from someone else. If you're not, um, supplying it. Okay. And then the chain of command is confused and um, there's just this people kind of meander and do their own things and all kind of, kinds of chaos can um, ensue from those types of moments. Um, and I've also had projects where I'm working with uh, sometimes like an artist or, or a producer or a writer who they're the ones who came up with the idea and they're passing off the, the idea to me to direct it but they've never really truly let go of it. Mm -hmm. And there's this constant, and, I, and I, I've been in projects where there's this constant power struggle where there was never a true defining line in the sand of like, okay, the project is now yours, Brett, go ahead and take it. Um, <laughs> so it's just this like tug of war throughout the process. And, and so, go, I mean, I, I'm thankful that I've, I've had these opportunities to go through that because, um, as I have, as I continue to get opportunities to get hired by a, a company or an artist or whoever to take someone's vision and then make it my own, I now know what not to do. And I know the conversations that I need to have, um, where, and it's, it's so, it's so much easier when, when you don't have to have those conversations when it's, when it's your own project, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it really forces me to fight for um, a vision and truly own up to it and define it. And, um, and that's just been a, a really cool experience, a learning experience for me and something I continue to learn on uh, and grow in.
Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered any of the, your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, you know, there are definitely, you, you definitely touched on what I was going for. Um, I do want to jump back to something you mentioned, uh, in there about, uh, you know, how about you figuring out, you know, the projects that are going to be a good fit for you. So, and obviously that's something that's going to vary by director, but like for you, what are things you're considering when deciding if you're going to take on a project as a director and like what information can a producer be providing to help you make that decision? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, the interesting thing for a lot of independent filmmakers, which is like 99.9% of the population of filmmakers, um, is that money usually does dictate a lot of it. Like if it's a job, you got to take the job to put food on the table. And so mm -hmm. there, there is like an, an unfortunate reality that I'm not at a position, nor do I really expect that I'll ever be at a position where I can I can pass on things because it's not quite my cup of tea, you know, or whatever. I, I've, I've got six mouths to feed at home. And so there is, a, there is just a, a humble reality of saying, okay, here's the job that's before me. But then it's this like, um, it's this honest and open conversation with the client, the producer, the writer, whoever, um, of saying, okay, here's my skill set. Here's what I would bring to the project. And just being honest with them, like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to try to um, mimic someone else's style or um, I'm not going to try to to do something that's not organically me because then I know, I know and I'm because I've tried this before, um, I've tried to do something that was not genuinely something that I'm good at and uh, and the client wasn't happy. And, um, and so I think that... For me, um, I go through a, a process of, I, I try to understand first and foremost, where did the idea come from? Okay. So like uh, this, this happened recently on a music video that I was, I was hired to direct um, for, a, uh, for an artist, her, her name is Lacey Sturm. Uh, she used to be the, the lead singer of the, the rock band Flyleaf. And now she's on a, a solo track and um she's a believer and though her her music isn't necessarily overtly like christian it has definite like christian themes underneath and and so they they wanted me to write a treatment and all this stuff and and i, I was listening to the song and i said I, I called her manager and i said before i ever start writing a treatment i need to talk to lacy and i need to understand who she is and where, where this idea came from. And so we got on, on, on a zoom call and we had like a hour and a half meeting where it was just her telling me her story. And that completely shifted how I was going to craft an idea for her because mm -hmm. what I was seeing in my head, the very, the, you know, the first several times that I was listening to, to the song um, would not have worked for her because I was, I was going a completely different direction. It was more um, what I would just do mm -hmm. and not thinking about the subtle nuances and the, and the artistic symbolism and different things that she was really, you know, wanting to convey. 
And so after that call, I went away from that and um, started crafting a vision. But to this, so that I think that would be the first thing is know where the story originated from. The second thing is who's the audience that this is intended for. And then the third thing is just, you have to have that honest question with yourself, um, which is hard sometimes when you're talking about providing for your family or whatever. Um, am I the right person for this project? Or do I need to ask for help? Even if I'm going to still direct it, like that was something. And that, that last point is something that I've really just tried to try to grow in is being willing and humble enough to say, Hey, I don't get this part or mm -hmm. I need, I need some more input here because I don't have the answers for you, you know? Um, and it's like, especially that, that last point when you're working with a writer, um, or a, or a producer, um, you know, again, adopting the idea and then crafting it and, and making your, your own, a lot of times that requires a lot of humility of just being willing to say, um, I'm confused here, or I don't have a good idea here and trying to be open for other input. Um, mm -hmm. because you know, there's, there's that definite temptation when you step onto a project where you want to, you want to have like your gunslinger attitude. Like I got this <laughs> nailed. I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, everyone just fall in line here. I've got it, you know, in gold, but more often than not, I've, I've encountered the reality that, um, I don't have all the best ideas and it's more important for me to just ask and be willing to be wrong and, and let the, and let the project be as good as it can be, which sometimes requires me to just get out of the way. Um, and with that, that this, this music video for, for Lacey that I just was mentioning, like that was something that became very apparent um, for, for us was we had a very short timeline to, to make this thing happen. And I was going to be um, driving out to Pittsburgh to shoot this music video. And we had like a really tight window and <clears throat> um, I'm literally in the car with all my gear headed to Pittsburgh and she calls me and um, she just had a check in her spirit about some of the things in the, in the treatment and the script that I had written. And I, I, uh, <laughs> my first thought was I'm literally on the road. Like this is a little <laughs> too late to be like shifting course, mm -hmm. but I just realized that she was really trying to be sensitive to um, inspiration and for the Holy spirit to do something. And so I said, Lacey, look, we've got a, we've got a plan. We've got a guide, but think of it as a guide. I'm going, I'm going to allow inspiration to strike. And if you and I, and I see something, let's discuss it and see if it fits the vision. And if it fits, then we'll go for it. And that was all she needed to hear to really just, uh, I don't know, I guess, trust me. And I mean, we got on set and it was a tumultuous day and a half of shooting. Like it was like an intense, no holds barred type, type shoot but I'm so proud of how it came out. And we, we really truly allowed like true inspiration to happen that was going to constantly be feeding the vision. And um, it's just, it's, it's one of my favorite music videos I've ever done. Um, 
just with all the symbolism we were able to convey and 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 more than anything again uh, i'm the hired gun there at the end of the day and um seeing seeing her response to the music video was was all the it was what i wanted at at the end of the day i mean she's truly the producer on the project and um she was so thrilled and she said it's like seeing my heart on the screen i was like oh yes praise the lord um so but that but that that result of that music video comes on the heels of years of me trying to figure out when i'm not when when the project isn't hasn't originated from my dna how do i do this you know mm-hmm. and and so it's not like i'm i hope i hope i don't come across like i've got it all figured out because I, <laughs> I don't and i'm still figuring it out uh as we go yeah no for sure um so then i kind of want to flip that question the opposite way and like you as a director what advice would you give to a producer of like when they're looking for a director of like these are things you should consider before you start reaching out to people that you think might be a good fit goodness i've never thought of it from that perspective (laughs) (laughs) um what would i want producers to think about um I would want them to consider first and foremost, are they willing to hire a director? And that might seem like a strange thought, but what I have come into contact with is some people, they may, they may lack the people skills or the technical know-how or not being able to talk to actors, you know, quite well enough or whatever, whatever, excuse that that might be sit staring in front of them but at the end of the end of the day some of the most intense tug of wars i've had on a film set have been because the producers don't want to let go of control mm-hmm. and they don't want to let go of the vision and they want their ideas um and and in those cases i i, I would lovingly tell those people like you need to direct next time you're not you're not willing to let it go because you you have such strong ideas and you have it such a specific way in your head that the, the the nuts and bolts of prepping and planning for a shoot don't matter anymore because you're thinking so creatively. And um, and so that would be one thing is for them to consider whether or not they actually even are willing to hire a director. Um, but then if they are, um, I think it's important to, I think it's important for a, for a producer to ask a director um, how they would approach a scene, how they would approach casting, how they would approach hiring a DP, you know, or whatever, because you'll, you'll learn a lot in those types of conversations. Um, when, when, if you, if they're interviewing a director, um, and, um, you'll learn the person's style, you'll learn the person, like what, what types of people they typically like to work with. Um, Like, I mean, since I'm involved in the Christian film industry, some producers are are very open to having non-believers on the film set and some producers are not. Mm -hmm. So if you're working with a director who is exclusive, like, I don't want to work with non-believers, well, that should be something to consider. 
you know, when you're hiring a director uh, and vice versa, the whole different, the whole gamut. Um, but I would, I would also encourage producers to, to consider not just the talent of a director, but consider the heart of the director. Um, with me also being an actor, I've been on film sets where the director, um, without naming names, completely ruins the vibe on the set because they don't know how to lead. They don't know um, how to inspire people. And they, they can just easily come across as a jerk. And it just makes everybody unhappy. And I mean, yes. it's film sets are already tense enough as it is. I mean, you've got the schedule, the budget breathing down your neck. And um, I'm, I'm amazed at how any, at the, the phrase, anything that can go wrong will go wrong on a film set. And it's so true. Um, and especially like in, in the pre-production phase. Um, but having, you know, interviewing people and trying to see how, if they would be able to keep their cool in those situations. Um, if things go south, is their, is their attitude going to make the wardrobe department freak out and, you know, or whatever the case would be. And so, so yeah, I think it's easy to get fixated on the talent and to say, oh, that person knows what they're doing. I love the stuff that they create. Um, I love their, their visual eye or whatever, but in some ways, the the character of, of a director is in many ways sometimes some more important than the talent and so i would i would greatly encourage producers to think about those things and um because i think it would, it would it'll really help them hone in on who they're looking for um and 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 the other reality is they may not know who they're looking for yet so it gives them <laughs> kind of some some substance to, to ask themselves, like, what am I truly looking for? And um, hopefully that'll make their process easier. And for it'll sure. make the, re the relationship with that inevitable director so much more harmonious and, and uh, lovely to be around. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Uh, so you mentioned how, you know, with film, pretty much anything that can go wrong, will go wrong. Uh, so like, what have you kind of learned in terms of like working with a producer when those, whether it's a location, you know, dropping an actor gets sick or whatever, how have you learned to work with the producer to overcome those obstacles? So, yeah, that's a great question. I've, I've seen a lot of different things happen. Um, <laughs> everything from, people's schedules going astray, locations dropping out, uh, people wanting to quit. Um, and gear breaking or, you know, what, whatever it is. It, it, I've seen it all and it's all happened to me. At the end of the day, um, I've, I've really started to press into more and more um, that a producer and a director's attitude, regardless of how they're actually feeling, will make or break the film set. And 
Um, and, and that comes from a place where they have to be united one, but two, they also have to, um, be willing to let go of what they want. And, um, I'll give you a, for instance. So, um, my first feature film that I directed was called the war within, and it was a very stressful production because, uh, we were doing it. We were trying to be smart with our budget. We only had a certain amount of money we could spend. And so we, because we were producing this through my church, uh, we had a lot of volunteers that we trained. And, and so when I did have people on set, those were like precious hours because they weren't, a lot of them were not being paid. It was, they were just being there. They were there at the goodness of their heart and we're halfway through production. The, the, one of the hardest parts of production had been done. All of our set work had been done and we were all on our location work. Um, but the location work was, in some ways more um, stressful just because we were doing a lot of company moves and we couldn't just, you know, lock up the doors and go home because we were inhabiting people's homes and different things. And, and I was feeling it um, pretty heavily at that point, just the stress of it. And we're shooting the scene and the sensor on our camera, our brand new got my company pur purchased uh, one of the first red one cameras. And um, so my company owns it and the sensor breaks right in the middle of our shoot. We don't have a backup camera. The only other camera that was on set that day was a DSLR, which would not have matched in any way, shape or form the, the visuals that we had been creating. And I, my, my heart just sank and I, 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 I think I remember like crumbling down to the floor in front of the camera and just staring at it in disbelief um, that this was happening. And I tried to put on a good face, but I was just so, so discouraged. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my volunteers, uh, she was our prop master. And she just stepped in. She goes, folks, we need to pray. And I was like, oh, that should have been me saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Way to lead, Brett. Way to, way to go. Um, and so we prayed. We canceled the shoot that night. And then I had a meeting with my executive producer the next day and my dad, who was also one of our producers. And I was just like gun ho let's call red digital cinema. Let's have them ship out a replacement. I don't care what it costs. We need to get, we need to stay on schedule. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget my uh, executive producer. He, he said, Brett, I think that this is something that we need to be patient about because maybe the Lord is doing something in your heart and with this project and you need to pause and reflect on what that is. And I, and I fought him on it a little bit. I, I was just like, no, you don't understand. This is going to wreck our schedule. And, um, and I, cause I was expecting, um, a lot of, uh, damage to our budget. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the repair costs and, uh, I, we, cause we had shipped out the camera overnight to red and 
they got back with us with a really early um, report that the sensor had gone gone something some kind of oil or something had gone gotten into the sensor and completely ruined it and the really frustrating thing to me was our camera was like a month past warranty and and so i'm sitting there thinking this is ridiculous you know i mean it's not this isn't my fault and uh all this stuff and so they weren't going to cover it and it was going to be eight thousand dollars just to uh clean the sensor and get it repaired enough to to function let alone i had no idea if it was gonna you know be working like it used to mm-hmm. and so i'm praying with my producers team producer team and we just um we were we just had this moment of surrender where we were trusting that god was going to provide the camera the system to to get the rest of the um film shot and that we needed to let go and cancel our shoot days until we had a camera. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is not, this is not how you do things. <laughs> and, um, I, I sent an email to red and just, just to appeal to their heart and, and, uh, see what they could do if, if anything. Mm-hmm. And the Lord's favor was in it because they not only sent out a replacement, camera for us to continue production but they because they realized that the sensor was slightly defective and even though it was past warranty they fixed the sensor free of charge and sent my camera back and we were able to to finish production with with the same camera system and everything and um and it was just one of those moments where i thought the world was coming to an end and i thought that um, this was going to ruin the, the production, but it was a moment where I saw God work in, in a way that I couldn't have. Mm-hmm. And so that, that moment has always stuck in my mind and, and to, to a point now when, when I'm encountering, uh, anything going wrong on pre-production or during production or even post, um, I think back on that and I think, well, the, the Lord has something else for me to, to see here. Maybe he needs to work on my heart. Maybe he has something to reveal to us just so we can step back and worship him. Uh, or maybe there's something better that we hadn't even been thinking of, you know, or whatever. I've seen those types of things happen before. Um, and so, and, and, and many times, and I, I saw this happen uh, on a, on a film set I was on where I was a director where sometimes it's, it's just simply about the people's hearts on your film set. Sometimes it's literally just about discipleship Um, and God uses these circumstances to, to draw out our hearts. And then as a director and producer, like you have the opportunity as leaders of the, of the project to come together rather than go apart Um, and to inspire people to press into the Lord, even if they don't believe in God. Um, That's been one of the cool things for me is, uh, even with having unbelievers on the set, ha- you know, trying to keep my cool and partner with the producer. And at the end of the day, as a director, being submissive to what the producer's call is going to be. Because when usually when things go wrong, um, logistically, it's the producer's job to fix it. And I may not like what they choose, but 
that's not my job and I can give input, but at the end of the day, I need to be submissive to the fact that they may have a, a better idea. And, mm-hmm. and so I think, yeah, it, it's a long winded way of saying that there, there has to be a certain amount of harmony between a director and a producer when navigating the chaos that ensues on a film set. And they have to, yeah, just come to this real out real realization that um, their dependency has to be on God and, and not on their, their wit or their talent to get through those moments. Uh, because when it's, when it's on us, we're going to fail or be miserable. But when it's on God, it's like the pressure is off and you just then fall into what he has for you. And, and a lot of times it grows your creativity because you have to adapt to things that you weren't prepared for. And that's always a really fun stretching experience to be in. So you mentioned there how sometimes you as the director might not always like agree with the pro- a decision the producer makes. And I feel like that is... You get on some sets and it very much there's that mindset of like the produ- the directors here, you know, trying to do this vision and the producers just there saying, no, we can't do that. We can't do this because all he's concerned about is the money. So how, or I guess like what tips maybe do you have for producers and directors to have good communication um, so that they can kind of avoid creating that um, a feel on set. Yeah. Um, I think it goes back to that word harmony, but I think to expand on that, it, uh, there has to be a really clear level of expectations before you even start the project. Um, like I'll give you a, for instance, um, I directed, um, treasure lies, Mm -hmm. which was produced and written by Scott Peterson. And, um, that was a project I mean, it's a super low budget movie. And I, 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 I had signed on knowing what the budget was and I knew that the budget wasn't going to change. And so my expectations were aligned with his in that we have to make this movie for this amount of dollars. And this, this isn't a moment where I get to put on my my fedora and want to be artsy and say, I'm sorry, Scott, you need me to give me this, this, and this because I'm the director. Like I agreed to something and people may not like the salary they got, or they may not like the food that we ate or whatever the case is, but there's a, there was a clear set level of expectations from the get go. And I think a lot of times there's a problem with a director and producer relationship because they don't come to a clear understanding of what the parameters are. And so then when there's a tug of war over a, you know, logistical matter or or a creative matter um, from a budgetary perspective, there's not going to be a harmonious decision because um, there wasn't that, you know, expectation set from the beginning. Mm And because I I think one of the other things that I've really, uh, Treasure Lies was actually a really good learning experience for me in that uh, what we were trying to achieve was way beyond our budget, but we never let budget stand in the way. 
it was a, it was a stretching experience where Scott and I were willing to, to say, okay, this is how much it's going to cost. And we can't afford that. So creatively, how can we do this? What, what can I, as the director give up? What can Scott give up as the producer? What can the DP do that's different from the way he normally works? You know, we would have these conversations with our department heads and it was a, it was a tough shoot. I mean, like trying to make a movie with as cheap as we did it um, was challenging, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like so often people see barriers or um, budgetary parameters or location parameters or whatever as, um, as bad things. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm the older I get and the more I do this, the more I'm trying to press into them as, okay, those are just the creative boundaries. That's the edge of the paper. What can we still do inside the paper? Um, and I think part of that stems from growing up in the house that I did. Uh, my dad is a internationally known political cartoonist and for the, for all of my life. And even to this day, uh, he had a deadline every day. He had to spit out a cartoon every single day. And he didn't get to say to his boss, well, I'm just not feeling it today. You know, sorry, you're gonna have to run a cartoon I did a few years ago. He, he was the, he had a, a deadline and he always told me, Brett, deadlines force creativity. They force creativity. They, they, it just has to happen at that point. So, I mean, honestly, um, producers can do a, can, what I, if I, if I were to speak to a producer and I would just say, Hey, here's some advice on when, when those moments happen, whether it's budget location, uh, scheduling, whatever the case is, and it's a problem, approach your director, not with hostility or, or with this arrogance of here's the situation you got to deal with it now, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. approach them with an open heart and an open mind saying, here's the problem. Here's how I think we should solve it. And giving that director opportunity to speak into it instead of just making decisions. And then on the director's side, um, don't, when a producer comes to you with, with a problem or with a, with something that they have to change or whatever the case is, don't get discouraged and think that they're against you because they're navigating problems that you don't fathom. You're, you're in the sandbox making fun movie magic. They're trying to make sure that there's sand in the sandbox (laughs) so that you can make movie magic. And, and so, um, I think a lot of times when there's hostility between a director and a producer, it's because they, they see each other as, as enemies or something. And Mm -hmm. it should be one of the most harmonious relationships on a film set. Um, they should be a team and um i've been a part of it when it's when it's been when it's felt like a team and then i've been a part of it sometimes when it's not felt like a team and a lot of and i've i've been trying to learn and grow from that as uh, as an artist um and trying not to repeat those mistakes and and at the end of the day too i think there's a biblical reality of of having an opportunity to go to a to a director or a producer whoever you are and saying, 
I was wrong. I've sinned against you. My attitude towards you was not right. Uh, will you forgive me of that? And, and try to just move on. Um, um, instead of just harboring bitterness or whatever the case might be. Yeah, uh, that was really well said. Uh, and expectations is definitely a, an important part, uh, regardless of whether it's the director or even other crew on the project. Uh, so I have a few final wrap-up questions uh, for you. So the first one is, what or how can a producer be most helpful to the director during that production phase? Should should the producer just kind of stay out of the director's hair unless there's something that uh, needs to be discussed? Or are there things the producer can do to help make the director's job easier? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of moments... Uh, that I've had on set, there, there's something instinctual that happens to a director on set when the producer is there and the producer is hovering. Um, please don't hover. Like, because the first thought that goes into a director's mind a lot of times, at least at least in my mind is, okay, what's wrong? You know? Yeah. Not that, not that a producer's presence on a film set is always bad. I'm not saying that. Um, but let's be honest, more often than not, when they're there for an extended period of time, um, it's because there's a discussion that needs to happen because something's not, you know, working or whatever. Um, so I would just encourage producers to be, to be mindful of your, your demeanor and your cadence on set, you know, your, uh, I, I've seen producers walk around film sets and they just look grumpy. They just have this grumpy look on their face because I, and I get it. What they do is intense and there's constant stuff that's ebbs and flows. And, um, but you'll, you'd be surprised how far a smile can go, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and calmness. I can't stress enough calmness because, um, when, because there's a few things that a director is constantly navigating on on a on a day to day film set. Um, the, the, there's the relationship with the first AD, uh, which is a whole nother topic, and that that relationship can can make or break a film set as well. And so they're trying the, the they're trying to navigate the the schedule for that shoot day. They're they're trying to navigate the creativity with the with the camera and, and electrical department. They're trying to navigate the, the emotion with the actors. They're navigating the, the pitfalls that happen when extras are on set and all kinds of different things. And so their, their mind is just racing just as much as a producer, obviously in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and so calmness can really speak volumes when things do need to be discussed or just when you want to be on set. Uh, I think that's something too, that is unfortunate for a lot of producers is sometimes their work gets so intense that they don't get to spend much time on set and that's, yeah. you know, discouraging. Um, and so I get that. Um, and, 
I don't know. I, yeah. So I, I think just that having, if you, if there, if there is clear expectations already set and there's a, an honest, open communication that's happening and it's not contentious, um, all of those things. And then, and then that's followed up by calmness, um, and, and a positive demeanor, despite the circumstances I think that can speak volumes to a director when he's navigating something with a producer on set. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, like directors also need to be, um, not be divas. <laughs> they need to <laughs> just not be, you know, full of themselves and they, they need to see, um, they need to, they need to be able to see beyond the art sometimes. I think that's something that I've really tried to grow in is I can get so fixated on I'm making my movie and you're not paying attention to the, the flaming bus that's coming towards your film set, you know, or whatever. And you have to be aware that making a movie is many problems solved. And mm -hmm. so the producer by and large is trying to solve those problems for you. So trust them, you know, and, um, yeah, I could talk about that for hours, but anyway, <laughs> no, sounds good. So then my final question, and this could be in regards to the director producer position, this could be kind of just whatever comes to mind, but what's one piece of advice you would give to a producer about running a good film set? Mm. Running a good film set. Um, you know, it's interesting that it's a very, um, it's a very interesting way to phrase it because uh, it's such a subjective thing mm -hmm. for a lot of people. Um, I've been a part of micro budgets, small budgets, big budgets, you know, it's, it's hard as far as production is concerned. And sometimes I am the producer. Sometimes I've worked with, for a producer Sometimes I've just, I'm just, I'm the actor on set. So I've seen, I've, I've had a fair bit of um, perspective on, on that term um, running a good set. And I think what it really boils down to is um, how well you treat people. Um, I did a project last year that's still in post-production that I'm not contractually at liberty to discuss what it is, but it was one of my favorite film sets that I've ever been a part of. And by and large, that is because the producer cared deeply about us. And when I say us, I mean the cast and the crew as human beings and not as employees. Like the, just the, the, the fundamental simplicity of that is so important that yes, this is a job, you're an employee and um, you know, you're hired for this many days and all these different types of things. And, and, um, and a producer can navigate it like that. It's mm -hmm. their, totally their prerogative to just treat it like a business which you need to, don't get me wrong, you do need to treat it like a business, but at the end of the day, um, like 
checking up on people as a producer and asking them, how are you doing? How's your living accommodations? How's the food? Um, emotionally, how are you doing? How, what, what, what is it, what, what, what is it that you need that you don't have right now? Um, those types of questions, you'd be shocked how people's demeanor on set would change if the director or the producer, and I, I would, I would honestly use, I would, I would, all these things I'm suggesting, I think it's, it should be both and the director and producer must okay. function this way on set. And that, because um because i i just for to, to expound on that like the producer um is is in charge of their living accommodations their their salary their food their you know just their literal comfort on set mm -hmm. the director then is responsible for inspiring the most out of their talent and leading them in their talent and so if you're not, if you're not caring about the person and you're only caring about the end product, that person is going to have a miserable time on set. I can guarantee you. But this project that I, that I mentioned, like, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a tough shoot. There was a lot that we had to accomplish um, in a relatively short amount of time. Um, it was a five week shoot that should have taken like <laughs> eight weeks. Oh wow! And and so we were packing a lot of pages in, in every day, but everybody constantly had a smile on their face. Uh, and I've never been a part of a project that was so warm and welcoming and um, and exciting. I don't I don't I don't I don't know how else to describe it. Like everyone. Um, down to the, the, to the volunteer PA. Uh, they just had a, a great time on the film set, but I, I, think it's on, I think it's because to sum it up, every single person on that film set felt, felt, um, felt valued. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they didn't just feel like an object being used to create something. Um, and then, and that's honestly, it goes back to what I was talking about at the very beginning of what I believe the role of a director is to be a servant leader. Um, it's, it's, it's the epitome of Jesus washing the disciples feet. It is, even though everyone's working for the director and the producer, um, being willing to get down in the dirt and see things from their perspective and see their humanity and, care about them as a person mm -hmm. um, is so so important and it's and i think i think it's something that brings god much glory in what we do um because we because i work in christian film a lot it can be easy to get fixated on the final product that is spreading a message to people and it's easy to then neglect the ministry that happens on a film set, which in many ways I'm starting to understand is just as, as important, if not more important sometimes than the final product of the movie, because Jesus cares deeply about the one-on-one -on -one 
evangelism and discipleship of the gospel. And um, it's why he said uh, one of his final things he said to his disciples in the upper room was a new command. I give you love one another. You know, it wasn't, it's this command wasn't show people what to do. It was love one another. And Jesus demonstrated what that looks like. And I think that if directors and producers would press into that reality and adopt that into the way that they lead a cast and crew, um, they'll have some of the most happy and uh, memorable film sets of their life. Nice. That, that's something I definitely would look forward to being a part of. So we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode of the show, but thank you very much uh, for coming on and talking about the whole director-producer relationship. My pleasure, Micah. Thank you. Until next time, make sure to subscribe to The Producer Podcast, and thanks for listening. Thank you.